October 1st, 2012 in Vrindavan. Srimad Bhagavatam, Kanto 1, Chapter 5, Text 37 to 44, Part 1. Oh my Lord, you have executed all duties yourself. Are you leaving us today, though we are completely dependent on your mercy and have no one else to protect us? Now when all kings are at enmity with us. As the name and fame of a particular body, is this actually working? Is it doing anything? As the name and fame of a particular body is finished with the disappearance of the living spirit. Similarly, if you do not look upon us, all our fame and activities, along with the Pandavas and Yadus, will end at once. O Gadadhar, Krishna, our kingdom is now being marked by the impressions of your feet, and therefore it appears beautiful, but when you leave it will no longer be so. All these cities and villages are flourishing in all respects, because the herbs and grains are in abundance, the trees are full of fruits, the rivers are flowing... The hills are full of minerals and the oceans full of wealth. All this is due to your glancing over them. O Lord of the universe, soul of the universe, O personality of the form of the universe, please, therefore, sever my tire affection for my kinsmen, the Pandavas and the Vishnus. Ata vishvesu vishatman vishramurte svakeshu me sneha pasadi manchindi dridham pandushi vishishu. O Lord of Madhu, as the Ganges forever flows to the sea without hindrance, let my attraction be constantly drawn unto you without being diverted to anyone else. Twai me nanya vishaya matir madhu pate sakrit. Ratim Udva Hatad Adha Gange Vogham Mudandati. O Krishna, O friend of Arjuna, O chief amongst the descendants of Vishni, you are the destroyer of those political parties which are disturbing elements on this earth. Your prowess never deteriorates. You are the proprietor of the transcendental abode, and you descend to relieve the distresses of the cows, the brahmanas, and the devotees. You possess all mystic powers, and you are the preceptor of the entire universe. You are the almighty God, and I offer you my respectful obeisances. Sutra Goswami said, The Lord, thus hearing the prayers of Kunti Devi, composed in choice words for his glorification, mildly smiled. That smile was as enchanting as his mystic power. So here on the flip chart, I put the flow of the verses. And again, I have a sheet that I wrote up, a handout that somehow didn't get printed, that was supposed to get printed and didn't, that hopefully you'll get tomorrow with all of chapter 8 and all of chapter 9. A microphone that goes off and on is much more distracting than one that's just off. So it's off. Hare Krishna. Huh? This microphone is not working. It, it goes off, on, off, on, off, on, off, on. It's really annoying. So whatever you want to do...
briefly the minor points. In text 37, Kunti calls Krishna Prabhu, calls him Lord. So again, this is interesting because she's his aunt. And generally that would not be done. Any of you with 39 come up with a question? Any of you have a question about text 39? There's something very interesting and unusual and mysterious about text 39. Can we find what it is? It just doesn't make any sense. When Krishna is here, everything is beautiful, and when he leaves, it's no longer. So when Krishna is he's always present here. That Krishna is always everywhere. So how could he ever leave? Oh, I like that, because Prabhupada actually says he never leaves. But something else? Something else. Where is Kunti? Where is she? Hastinapur, she in Vrindavan. Is Kunti in Vrindavan? No. No, she's in Hastinapur. So what's peculiar? Footprints. Huh? Footprints. Yeah, something about the footprints. How? Because in Vrindavan, it goes around without the shoes. Yeah, that's right. But in Hastinapur, you wear shoes. Prabhupada was asked about that. Are there, are there shoes in Krishna Lila? He said, yes, just not in Vrindavan. He said, but nice shoes with jewels, not like our plastic shoes. So how is Krishna leaving the marks of his feet in the dust of Hastinapur when he's wearing shoes? That's interesting. I have no idea what the answer to that is. Just found it a little bewildering. Um, in text 37... Something we're not going to discuss, but is worth um, well, okay, it's in it's in Prabhupada's lecture on text thirty-seven. So Prabhupada lectures on text thirty-seven, he lists the six parts of surrender. So that's something that all of you should know, but we're not going to discuss it. It is related to text thirty-seven. Alright, in text 41, again, we're not going to discuss all of these, but it's, it's a wonderful meditation, which I would recommend that you do on your own. Vishvesha, Vishatman, Vishva Murti. O Lord of the Universe, Vishva Isha. Vishva Atman, O Soul of the Universe. Vishva Murti, O Personality of the universal form. So it's beautiful poetry. And each of these names of Krishna has very deep meaning. Vishramurti, or personality of the universal form, soul of the universe. So in one sense, the universe is like one big body with Krishna as the soul. We're all parts of that body. Just like in our body, there's all sorts of living entities. 
but we're like the, the chief soul. So it's like that. And in 43, again, not something we're going to discuss, but Kunti's listing many different names of Krishna. Friend of Arjuna, chief among the descendants of Vishni, destroyers of the political parties which are disturbing elements, prowess never deteriorates, proprietor of the transcendental abode, uh, Govinda, of course, mystic powers, preceptor, almighty God. So she's giving up a, a whole description of different qualities and names of Krishna. So it's a very nice verse for our meditation. Again, we're not going to spend time on it today. I wanted to note it. Okay, so the first main thing is that Kunti... What's Kunti trying to achieve here with her prayer? She's trying to achieve something. She wants Krishna to stay. She wants Krishna to stay in Hastinapur. Now it's interesting, right after this section, there Krishna does stay in Hastinapur, but it's not Kunti who convinces him. Who convinces him is Yudhisthira. But so she's giving him arguments. She's giving logical, philosophical arguments why Krishna should stay. So this is Kunti's persuasive speech. So perhaps when you went to school, did you all learn how to do persuasive speeches and persuasive essays? So maybe we can learn. Do you ever anybody here ever want to persuade anybody of anything? Anybody ever want to persuade anybody of anything? Some of you don't care. If anybody ever listens to you or not. But for those of us who sometimes want to convince somebody of something, uh, we can learn something from Kunti. So she's saying, we're dependent on you for three things. For safety, for beauty, and for prosperity. So the main argument for safety is made in text 38. It's really made in 37, 38, and 30, uh, 37, 38, uh, but particularly in 38. But most of the points we're going to be making are from 37. So in 37, Srila Prabhupada talks about being anatta and sanatta. So natta, nat means... A master, a lord. So anatta, you don't have a lord. And sanatta, you do have a master. So just like in the West, you don't see very many street dogs, mostly because they kill them. Somebody picks them up and takes them someplace, and if nobody takes them home, they kill them. So in the West, the dogs have, they're all, are the dogs anatta or sanatta? Sanata, but in India most of the dogs are anatta. And quite a difference between the Western dogs and the Indian dogs. The Indian dogs, they're mangy and they're diseased with so many things and right? And miserable. Dogs need masters. Of course, in, in traditional Indian culture, the dogs didn't eat off the master's plate and sleep in the master's bed, but they did have masters. Uh, therefore, Bhakti Vinod Thakur is saying, I want to be the dog of a Vaishnava. If Vaishnavas didn't have dogs, he couldn't have asked to be the dog of a Vaishnava. But they didn't have them in the house. 
the, the, in the West now the dogs have become substitute children, substitute deities, you know. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's like that. The dog is the family deity, or at least the family child, you know. So they're killing their children and taking care of the dogs. So not to that extent, but they did have masters. You know, the dogs were used to keep away intruders and eat the vermin in the fields, etc., protect the livestock from tigers and so forth. And the dogs had masters. They were well taken care of, just like Shivananda Sain took care of the dog. So what would we rather be, a street dog or a dog with a master? And who wants, nobody wants to be a street dog. Now, if you have to take birth as a dog, at least you want to have a good master. You don't want to live out on the street. So we all want to have a good master. Actually, this is especially the view of property. So just like materially speaking, a woman wants to be taken care of. That's the mood of a woman. I want someone to take care of me. And children are also like that. Actually, we're all property. And we all function the best when someone is taking care of us, when Krishna is taking care of us. So we need a protector. Even the Pandavas, who were real men-men, they were definitely very macho men, especially Bhima. But still, they were under Krishna's protection. Krishna's taking care. That's our natural position. And we should always be under Krishna's protection, and we should be afraid of Maya. I probably said that once. The problem with my disciples, they're not afraid enough of Maya. So one should never feel, oh, I, I'm competent to protect myself. But one should always be feeling, I need Krishna's protection to be safe from Maya. So have we ever thought we were going to protect ourselves and then fallen on our face? Anybody ever had that experience? But if Krishna's protecting us, then we can be in all kinds of difficult situations. Haven't we also had that experience? And we can be, uh, you know, preaching with the non-devotees in some very spiritually dangerous atmosphere, but if we're taking shelter of Krishna, we're not affected. Have we had that experience? And we can get just even some not very spiritually dangerous atmosphere. If we're thinking, oh, no, everything's fine, then we fall on our face. So Prabhupada says something in 37... He says, in the material world, to be dependent on the mercy of someone else is the utmost sign of misfortune. What do you think Srila Prabhupada means by that? Some thoughts on that. To be dependent on the mercy of someone else is the utmost sign of misfortune. Yeah, so we get we get abused and exploited. Any other thoughts on the problem statement there, yeah? Except from Krishna, whenever you feel I'm dependent on a particular thing and thing, itself is not having the security of this independence. Ah, so the thing you're dependent on doesn't give you real security. Because that thing even our relatives or the money or the prestige or anything, or even good karma. They're not independent, and they can collapse at any time. So you're dependent on a, a, a something shaky. Yeah. We like to be free. 
We like to be free. Our natural position is freedom. If you're dependent on someone else's mercy, you're not free. In what way are you not free? Somebody and somebody else. In what way are you not free? Because we have to be around the mercy of the other person and we are dependent. And we have to go according to them. You have to do what they want. So, of course, Srila Prabhupada talks about the Brahmin Satyas and Vaishas are all independent. Right? He talks about the ashrams also. The Grahasta ashram more independent than Brahmacharya ashram. Vanapasta ashram more independent than Grahasta ashram. Sanyas ashram the most independent. What happens when you're not independent? Just to just what you said, then I have to do what the other person says. If I'm dependent on someone else for my maintenance, if I'm dependent on someone else for my security, then they can control me. It's a very unfortunate situation. Then you may be forced to do things that are wrong. You may be forced to do things against your principles. And especially for higher class people, that's very unfortunate. Now, for lower class people, if they're not dependent on someone else's mercy, they will do something wrong. So that's also there. But that is unfortunate. The, be- the better fortune is if you're qualified enough to have independence. But then Prabhupada says, but in the case of our transcendental relation with the Lord, it is the most fortunate when we can live completely dependent on Him. So why is our dependence on Krishna the most fortunate, whereas our dependence on another jiva is the most unfortunate? Dependence on Krishna frees you. You don't really have to worry about anything. He takes care of it. Isn't that interesting? Always reminds me when Jesus said, "Those who want, those who seek their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it." If you try in this material world to depend on someone, you lose all your freedom. You lose your integrity. Well, when you depend on Krishna fully, 100%, you gain your freedom and you gain your integrity. A wonderful purport, I think it's in um, 117, where Prabhupada talks about how the need of the spirit soul is for freedom. And he talks about how the, the pure devotees can go wherever they want and do whatever they want. He says that the pure devotees are not dependent on the Lord in all respects. In other words, they can make their own choices. They're not robots. Sometimes we think surrender to Krishna is like surrender to, you know, Adolf Hitler. And sometimes we've even seen, you know, uh, authorities in ISKCON who think that the way to get the devotees to surrender is to act like that. Act like some dictator. And, you know, the surrender devotee means someone who just does everything they're told without question, without discussion, without thought. But that is definitely the utmost sign of misfortune to be in a situation like that, where you're dependent on someone else's mercy and you have no independence. Prabhupada wanted us to become independently thoughtful. So as we'll read with the story of Bhishma, there is a training period, which ashram is for training. Brahmacharya ashram. And that in the Brahmacharya ashram, which is meant in the Vedic society for children, 
is supposed to be a time when you just do what you're told. You don't have any possessions, you just follow orders. Right? We treat children like that even today in school. You just have to do what you're told. And a lot of this, even modern schools, a lot of what we're teaching is not English or math or science or geography. We're teaching obedience and following authority. Everybody get in a line, everybody sit at their desk, now the bell rings, now take out this book. Everybody turn to page 23. Everybody do problem six, everybody do this, everybody do that. There's a training in obedience. So that was the idea of being a student. And you don't have any personal property. You collect everything you give to your guru. But then one should graduate and one should go on to one of the three other ashrams and not remain dependent on the mercy of somebody else, which is the utmost predecessor sign of misfortune. So we are all meant to become the leaders in society. We are meant we are members of the Hare Krishna movement. Of course, Sudra Vaishnavas are also very welcome. We also want Krishna consciousness and the arts and the skills and the crafts and the entertainment of the world. But we particularly need Vaishnava Brahman Satriyas and Vaishas who are fully dependent on Krishna, but not dependent on other jivas in a way that's compromising. That's what we want. We want to be training people to be Rahastas, Vanakastas, Sanyasis, Brahmins, Satriyas, and Vaishyas. And then Prabhupada also says in 37, the highest achievement of perfect civilization is to work with valor. What does valor mean? Hmm? With principles, yeah. What else? A fighting spirit with courage. He's talking about everyone. He's not just talking about the Satriyas. To work with valor, but at the same time depend completely on the Lord. The Pandavas were the ideals, ideal executors of the standard of civilization. Undoubtedly, they were completely dependent on the goodwill of Lord Sri Krishna, but they were not idle parasites of the Lord. They were all highly qualified, both by personal character and by physical activities. We'll look at this a little bit more in the character of Bhishma. So personal character, who they were, and what they did. So their, their person and their activities. They were full of valor. They were full of principles. They were willing to fight for those principles. They had a lot of courage. They were actors, not in the sense of dramatists, but they were doers for Krishna with great courage. But yet they were totally dependent on the mercy of the Lord, but they were not idle parasites. So you asked this question the other day about, you know, we have our karma, but why, why doesn't it just come to us? Why do we have to do anything? So we're not meant to be. Who wants that? I mean, what parent would like their children to be idle parasites? You know, when they're two or three years old, that's fine. A two or three year old child, they just play all day and they don't do anything useful except entertain you. And, you know, you just take care of them. You give them their food, their clothes, their toys, whatever they need. But who wants a child at 20 to be like that? That's disturbing. What government wants citizens who are like that? Nobody. It's very distasteful. So Krishna's not looking for us to say, okay, I will just sit here 
and you take care of me. We're expected to work hard, but with no consciousness that we're the doer. How do we do that? Some ideas about how we do that. How do we work with valor but be, and not be uh, idle parasites, but be completely dependent on the mercy of the Lord? So some thoughts how to do that? Yes. I think the process of surrender and the concept of surrender and the symptom of love, or affection of love, the person is there. But the person wants to do something, whatever the person wants to do, they surrender. Whatever the person wants to do, they surrender. Yeah, they surrender to the person, not them, they surrender to Krishna. The natural religion is how can you please Krishna, whatever activity you have to do for the other Krishna. Okay, so they're working hard, but their mood is what what way of working will please Krishna? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you just do your duty and don't expect the fruit, and just leave that in Krishna. Okay, simple, you say. I think you've gotten the essence of it, and you say it's very simple. Do your duty and don't expect the fruit. Okay, I'd like you to take five minutes and I want you to either write or think of describe to me how you can be in this class until 1.30 1.20 without, without expecting any fruits how can you be in this class today in that consciousness and I'm doing this for Krishna with great value but without any attachment to the fruit okay Take five minutes. You can talk to yourself, one person, two people, three people, do it by yourself. You can write it down, you can think about it, whatever you want. But I'm asking, I'm going to ask, I'm going to call on people and I'm just going to see who raises their hand. Let me start to discuss how, for example, unproper way, for example, when I page the result, okay? And we understand, so if I'm a page to the fruit of this class, so I just will listen to this class and just to get some information and do best exam and forget about everything. But when I'm not attached to the fruit of this class, I will be just listen as much as possible, careful, and I want to get this knowledge, information, and to apply in our life and uh, try best Okay, so at every moment you're thinking about how to be absorbed now rather than thinking, what can I just remember for the exam? Yeah, like, because it's interesting question. Well, we better understand this because if we can't apply this right now, what is the use? So we we try to start from opposite way, how to listen to this. Okay, this is not something I want you to apply starting at 3 p.m., it's not that right now we're not actually depending on Krishna and working with Bella. We'll do that later. Okay, um, Vrindarani? Krishna. Uh, hopefully when you take the exam it will be to please Krishna. Also. And, also, and also 
Um, so you're serving, you're in the mood that I'm, I'm doing this to please Krishna and to serve Srimad Bhagavatam. Okay, Radha Charan. It's just a matter of our duty toward uh, Guru and Goranga for the instruction and for their feather we are doing. We are satisfied. And uh, this is a matter of life, not as a matter of duty only. Just a matter of duty. Just a matter of duty. It's a matter of service. Service and duty, okay. It was a pleasure. We came to do Bhakti together so that we would be pleased. Okay, Shripati? Yes? Hmm? I'm sorry? Not even to think. Not even to think. Not even to think about it. Oh, but we need to think about this now. <laughs> because we have to do this now. Yes? Just no air because so when I uh, think that I can understand this knowledge by myself, it's attached to the throat. If I think if Krishna allows me to understand this knowledge through the heart and by mercy of the devotees and get this realization by proper listening, okay. it's like surrender. Oh, okay. So if you think that I'm the doer, I'm doing this by my intelligence. I just learn, I study, I study, and I can do it by my, my uh, energy, by my work, not by mercy of Krishna. Aha, uh -huh. but otherwise you're thinking I'm going to do it by the mercy of Krishna. Yeah. Okay. And... Devaki Nandan. Uh, we are in this class to gain knowledge uh, as mentioned before, Lord Krishna is not different from Srimad Bhagavatam. So by reading Bhagavatam, we are with Krishna, we are engaged in this devotional service and we are doing that without any expectation in the place. Mm, okay, very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Any other, anyone else want to share? Yes. I'm speaking in that way that what if you talk about nature Hello, goodbye. I'm coming in five minutes. I probably would take Java back or something like this. Uh huh, if the class didn't meet your expectations. Yeah, yeah something like that, that I try to connect my Okay, I would like to suggest that learning how to do this is what Krishna calls the art of work. And this is a lot, learning how to do this art of work is a lot more important, frankly, than knowing who said what in what verse in the Bhagavatam, which is not unimportant. I'm not saying it's unimportant, but that's not what's really important. So I, I can share with you what I discovered myself. I don't know if it will help you or not. I think each of us has to find our own personal way. I don't think my way is necessarily your way. But right now, at this moment, Krishna's in the Bhagavatam. Shiva Prabhupada's here in his deity form. Krishna's here in the form of paint. The deity there, a photograph. Krishna's in our heart. Krishna's in every atom. Krishna's in this room. 
and meditate that Krishna is here. And what I'm doing now, this moment, right now I'm speaking, you're listening. Hopefully you're listening. I don't know if you are or not. Sometimes you are speaking and I am listening. So whatever I'm doing now, I'm offering this to Krishna right now. I'm taking... I'm not offering the whole class to Krishna and I'm not offering it to Krishna just when I do the exam. I'm offering it to Krishna now, at this moment. I'm letting Krishna use me as an instrument. I'm letting Krishna manifest in me. And of course, I'd like to also offer the fruit. But just like when you plant a tree, there may be a tree, there may not be a tree. The tree may grow, it may not grow. The monkeys may tear it down, the cows may eat it, the fruit may be rotten, you may die before it has any fruit. So many things. A storm can knock it over. You're not in control of whether or not the tree bears a fruit. So one may be thinking, I'm taking this class so I can get my certificate, and you know, then my tell president told me that I can get second initiation, or that I can do this or that, and so on. Just like uh, when I was working on my PhD, especially in the last few months, I kept meditating on Tamal Krishnamaraj, who left his body three months before he completed his degree. Especially every, every time I got in my car. Every time I got in my car in the last four or five months of my degree, I thought, suppose I die in the car. Now, what is the use of every, all the work that I've done? Is it valuable? You know, do you have to get the fruit for it to be valuable? Can it be valuable now? I thought about that as a teacher many times, teaching children. When we teach children, it's always future, 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 future. We're teaching you now so you can get a good job. We're teaching you now so you can be a good preacher. You know, 10 years from now, 5 years from now, 20 years from now, depending on how old they are. And I thought some of these children may not live that long. One of my other students who died when she was 3. So, you know, suppose they die today. Then what's the value? Like sometimes children who have terminal illnesses, they want to go to school, and I think, why? Go to school for what? If you're going to die in a month, why do you need to learn science and geography and all these things? So, you know, what's the value in the now? What am I offering to Krishna now? Now, I may have some result in mind. If I'm planting a tree, I may be thinking, Krishna, I hope this tree produces a mango I can offer to you. But putting the seed in the ground, I'm offering to Krishna. Watering the seed, I'm offering to Krishna. Watching the plant grow, I'm offering to Krishna. I'm offering it every moment to Krishna. I one devotee recently, wish I could remember who it was, made a really good point to me. Some devotee who's a big scholar. That for most people, as soon as you give up attachment to the fruit, you don't want to work anymore. And sometimes this happens to devotees as they advance and they no longer care about the fruit. They no longer care about the money or they no longer care about the prestige or whatever. Then they lose interest in the activity because that's what you're working for. You're working for the fruit. They say, why should I work anymore? This is, of course, Arjuna's problem in the Bhagavad Gita. Why should I work anymore? And Krishna says, no, you work in a different consciousness. Now, by the way, when you offer Krishna every moment, guess when you're enjoying? 
No. No. When you just wait and you meditate on the fruit, when are you enjoying? At the end. And you maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. So when you have a fruit of consciousness, it's austerity, 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 hope, 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 hope. Maybe enjoy. Maybe not. For a few minutes. Then again, austerity, 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 hope, 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 hope. Maybe you enjoy for a few minutes, maybe not. And anyone who interferes with your fruit, what do you get? Angry and frustrated. But when you work with valor, but with dependence on Krishna, when are you happy? Now, always. Pratipadam. Yes. Pratipadam. Ah, yes. Yes, that is when, when actually we're enjoying it's like that at every step. Tasting full nectar at every step. So this we should practice now. This isn't just some theory. So I can write on the test. We're supposed to work with full valor but with dependence on Krishna. Krishna needs to stay in Hastinapur because otherwise we won't be protected. Okay, I got that one right. And Kunti said that in text 37 and 38 of chapter 8 of the first canto. And I know that. But it's can I do that now? And it's so satisfying. It is so satisfying. And Krishna, you're, you give me you give me the ability to hear. And I'm not just hearing because I can apply it after the class. I'm hearing it so I can relish it now. I'm speaking so I can relish it now. When I'm preparing for the class, I'm spending hours preparing for each of these classes. I'm preparing for the class so I can give the class. But suppose I don't give the class. It might happen. So many things can happen. And they say there's many a slip betwixt the cup and the lip. So many things can happen. I could prepare all the classes and never give them. Is my preparation useless? No, why? Depends on my consciousness. So if I'm relishing the study, just like I hope you're all studying for these classes. So when you're studying for these classes, which we hope you're doing, hint, hint, so when you're studying for these classes, even if you don't show up for the class, the studying for the class should also be relishing. You're actually getting the fruit at every moment. So you're working with valor, just like a fruitive worker. Right? What's day for one is night for the other. It looks the same. It looks like we're working really, 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 really hard for the fruit. It looks like, oh, the teacher is working really hard to prepare a nice class. The students are preparing very hard so they can listen in the class. They're listening in the class so they can pass the exam. They're getting the exam so they can get some recognition. You notice it's always future? You notice even when you get the thing, it's always for something in the future? Do you notice that about fruit of mentality? You, you basically rarely, if ever, actually have anything. Isn't that interesting? How frustrating. And so we look like we're the same because we're working just as hard. Maybe we're working harder. 
But our experience of the work is very different. I'm relating with Krishna now. I'm listening to Krishna now. I'm speaking for Krishna now. Krishna's working through me now. Krishna's giving me the ability to understand now. When something affects me now, I go, oh, Krishna, that was Krishna. And I try to experience Krishna now. Okay, the next everything depends on Krishna's beauty. That's in text 39. I'm sorry? The musician gave us right now, it's very, very inspiring. Oh. Practical, when I open up, I do a lot of things. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Should I, should I tell you how I really feel? Should I tell you a story? Yes. It's a very, very wonderful point. It completely changes everything. Changes everything. And once you make that change, you will never go back. If someone says, go back to being a food worker, you say, no, even if you give me billions of, what's the most valuable currency in the world? Kuwaiti money. Billions of Kuwaiti monies. The treasure of Kuwait, I still will not go back. That will never go back. It's so easy to be fruitive even in the name of Krishna consciousness, my dear friends. So easy. Please do not think that because I'm officially working for Krishna, automatically it's not fruitive. That's nonsense. You can still have the fruitive mentality. You can still think, I'm the doer, and I'm, I'm enjoying the fruits. Still think that. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story of how, how I discovered this. So after, uh, after I stopped running the school and teaching, so I was working on our children's books. And when I, my plan was, I had been wanting to work on them for like 25, 30 years. And many times we got money from rich people and plans from rich people and it never worked out. Either they promised money they didn't give or they promised money and gave but then stopped in the middle or something happened. And we had plans and this and that and people working and it never happened. And every time it wouldn't happen, I'd get so discouraged. Sometimes for months, I'd feel discouraged. Oh, Krishna, I thought we were finally going to do this for you. Prabhupada wants it, we need it, and it's not happening. And what is the point of all this work? You know, and again, there would be an opportunity. And again, it wouldn't work out. It happened over and over and over again. And finally, on the advice of, of one of my sons, I decided I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to start something. So Krishna sent one devotee who encouraged me and, and put me in touch with some people and, and gave a little watch me for training, but nothing much. And another devotee who gave me a place to work, one temple gave me a place to work, and Prasadam uh, and said, here's a desk and you don't need to do any other service. But that was all I had. I had a desk a beautiful view of the ocean, a computer, a nice chair. Nobody putting any expectations on me, but nobody asking me anything either. Nobody says, how's it going? What are you doing? Nothing. I was just left alone. I had no team. I had no money. I wasn't exactly sure the way I was, how was I going to do it. You know, I didn't really have a, a worked out plan and the first two weeks I sat there just saying I can't do anything what am I supposed to do 
need money and a team and a plan and a, and a this and a that and the other thing that wasn't coming. So finally I said, well, I better do something. You know, Krishna's given me the freedom to do this. I wanted to do it for decades. Let me start. So there I was alone in a far flung corner of the world. That was far, almost as far away as you can get from any other place in the world. Looking at a bunch of cows and kiko birds and typing things in my computer. And I didn't even have the whole plan. First I thought, well, I gotta make the whole plan first. But I made a rough plan and I just started working and I was working. I mean it was ridiculous. Just writing little stories on your computer with no money and no team. What was the point? Where was it going to go? What was the chance that anything would be published? Materially speaking, it was a one in a billion. I mean, really, one in a billion chance that anything I was doing was going to amount to something. But I had to do it anyway. What was I going to do? So I'm doing these things. I mean, Krishna sent a little help here and there. Dorka Puri helped me. She was a literacy expert. She would bring me some samples and come see me maybe once in a month and, and talk to me about a few things. And sometimes she would discourage me and say, what you're trying to do is impossible. And that was it. Nobody else even ever, nobody ever said to me, how is it going? What are you doing? And the only thing anyone said to me is, would you like some pumpkin soup? Would you like your toast with avocado or without avocado? That was all anybody ever said, which was nice. You know? How was I going to get the enthusiasm? And it was very hard. You know, you look at children's books, you think it's very easy. But try writing a children's book using only 20 words. So if only 20 words you can use. The book has to be only eight sentences long. It has to be a story, and it has to be about Krishna, and it has to be interesting. So it was extremely difficult. And I would work for a few hours, and then I would have to take a walk. And I'd work for a few hours, and I would take a walk. And I was just like, how am I going to be enthused? How am I going to work with Valor? I, I couldn't do it because all my working up to that point in my life with Valor, I didn't realize this, but all of my working up to that point with Valor had always been Kartahamutimanite, on the door. And I'm working for the result. And when I get the result, yes. And if I don't get the result, ugh. And I didn't know I was working like that. I thought I was working for Krishna. But all of a sudden, when there was no possibility of a result, and when I couldn't appear to be doing anything, then that was just removed. I, I didn't have that impetus and I couldn't work that way anymore. It just wasn't possible. And so what was I going to do? So I started meditating, how amazing, on Krishna. How interesting, after being so many years in the Hare Krishna movement. I started actually meditating on Krishna and I made a picture in my mind that there was Radha Krishna looking at the finished books looking at them like this and laughing and showing them to their friends that the coward boys and the gopis they're looking at the books and Prabhupada's looking at the books and they're all smiling and that was my meditation and I kept that meditation right in front of me I'm doing this for you I'm doing this for you and I failed every day I'd write a story and no that's not good and then I would try again, no, that's no good. And I'd try again, no, that's no good. No, that's not an interesting story. 
You know, and I'd get halfway through and say, I can't finish this story. I have to use words that aren't on the list. But I can only use the words on the list. And I can't, it won't work. And I'd fail, and I'd fail. And I'm offering this to you, Krishna. I'm offering this to you. And I'd write three months, Krishna, that's for you. And I'd fail, and then I'd have to take a walk. And I'd write another five months, and I'd fail. Krishna, I'm offering this to you. And then I meditated on the pastime of Jarasandhar. That was my main meditation. When Krishna had this plan, actually given from Uddhava, to kill Jarasandha. You all know the story? Everybody knows the story? Yes? So, this, uh, there were these kings imprisoned by Jarasandhar, and they sent a messenger to Krishna in Dwarka, please save us. Krishna says, okay, we'll save you. And then they were discussing, how are we going to save them? And Uddhava said, well because it was also an invitation to go to the Rajasuya Jagya, he said, we'll have to defeat Jarasandha as part of the Rajasuya Jagya, but we don't want to declare war because so many soldiers will die. There's already been so many wars with Jarasandha, already 17, 18 times. So why don't we do it as a duel? And Krishna, Bhima, and Arjuna will dress as Brahmanas and go to Jarasandha and beg a duel. And Jarasandha will give to the Brahmanas and he'll fight with Bhim, and Bhim will, will kill him. So that was the plan. It was about a year later that they actually did the plan, long story. Anyway, they went there, and Bhima's fighting with Jarasandha for 28 days. During the day he's fighting, and during the night they're living as guests in Jarasandha's house. So Bhima's very strong, but he's not getting anywhere. Every day he's fighting with Jarasandha, and no progress. At the end of the day, nobody's winning. Next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. Next day, 28 days. At the end of the 28th day, Bhima said, Nashaktoham jarasandam nirjetam yudhimadava. Nashaktoham. I don't have the strength. Jarasandam, jarasandam. Nirjeta. Jeta is like jaya. I cannot be victorious. Yudhi in battle. Madhava. Oh, Madhava. I cannot be victorious in battle over jarasandar. I don't have the shakti. And then what did Krishna do? He just gave a hint. He split. The, he didn't say, well, Bhima, let me tell you what. He didn't do that. He didn't say there was this witch named Jara, and she combined the two bodies. He just took this grass and he split it. He gave a hint. When we have really good friends, we just communicate with hints. It's very pleasurable, isn't it? Isn't that very pleasurable when you can communicate somebody to some, something to somebody without having to actually say it explicitly? So Krishna loves doing that. He loves giving indirect, just looking, you know, talking with his eyebrows, and he, he really enjoys doing that. So he just, it shows real connection, you know, so he just breaks the grass, the grass and apyayam swena tejas, power. He invested Bhima with his own power. So I thought Bhima didn't ask for this on day one or day two or day three. It's not that I can sit down at my computer and like Prabhupada says, an idle parasite and sit down there and say, Krishna, invest me with your power. <laughs> He's going to say, no, you work with valor. You want me to invest you with my power? You work with valor. So I had to work with valor. But even while I'm working with valor, my Krishna, I'm offering this to you. I'm doing the best I can. I'm offering it to you. I'm offering it. This is for you. Enjoy this sentence I'm writing, which never became a book. And this sentence, which never became a book. And these five sentences, which didn't become a book. And these two, and this frustration. Enjoy this frustrating walk I'm taking. <laughs> you know, this is for you. This is for you. This is for you. And then finally, it would be, 
I can't do this, Krishna. Please. And then he would do it every time. He would invest me with his own potency and then it would happen. And then again, the next book, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And I said, wow, this is amazing. Now, on one level, I cared whether or not they got published. I wanted them to be published. But on another level, I didn't care. It didn't matter. If nobody ever saw them, you know, I think this is so funny. These are just going to stay word files on my computer. Nobody will ever see them. I'll die, and nobody will even look at what's on my computer. You would look at them, thank you. I recently gave a, a hard drive to my son-in-law. I had all kinds of things on it for my children, and I forgot to tell him there's things on it for you. And the next day I said, so did you like all those things I gave you? He said, oh, I thought you were just giving me the hard drive. I deleted everything. <laughs> of course I had it someplace else, but then I had to go and give everything all over me. So I'm thinking like that, you know, I'm going to die and my kids will just find my computer and they'll just delete everything and sell the computer, you know, and nobody even look at these files of books. I mean, I'll tell you, on my computer, I have so many files of curriculum materials that people did that never got published. So many. I don't even know what how I haven't even looked at all. And I would be laughing and thinking, I'm going to die, and this is just going to sit on my computer, and nobody will even see it. Nobody would know. And no one knows what I'm sitting here doing, looking at the ocean and the cookie cobras. They don't even know. They, all they'll say is, yes, Romila died working on curriculum, drinking pumpkin soup. <laughs> and it became enjoyable. It was so astonishing. Usually that would be very depressing. You know, I'm working this, it will never get finished, nobody will even know, nobody will even care. And I thought that would be so funny. If nothing ever happens with any of this, well, Krishna enjoyed it. I meditated on Krishna enjoying the books that were not published. I meditated on Krishna enjoying the books that were not written. Does that make sense to you? They were not written. They were not published. They were not illustrated. I couldn't even write them. And my meditation is writing Krishna and Shiva Prabhupada, all the rest, they're all enjoying them. And I, it was free. And I said, I'm never going to go back. Never. You couldn't pay me the wealth of the universe to go back. It was, it was free. And then, you know, when I met the devotee who said, oh, I know artists in China. I'll set you up with them. And I said, oh, okay. And then when I was invited to lunch and the devotee said, what are you doing? And I said, children's books. And he said, would $10,000 help you? And I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, it didn't matter. I was, I was thrilled that Krishna did that, but it didn't matter. The happiness was already there. And even at the end, when we were pushing for the Janastami deadline, and we were at that point managing 200 people internationally, and I had to have three project managers working under me, you know, and with, while I'm traveling the world and trying to figure out how to get 200 megabytes of pictures to look at in India, where my internet was 0 0.06 kilobytes a second. You know, and even when it was like that, and you're thinking, I've got to get the pictures now, which is our results. 
and I've got to look at them now, and I've got to call the lady in New Zealand who can translate Chinese for the Chinese artists now because we have to have the pictures in two days so that we can do the layout next week so that it can be translated into 25 languages so we can send it out to the project manager who's got to send it out to all the 25 people all over the world to read it in all the languages so we can record it so we can send it to the editor in time because we have a timeline because we're headed for Jamastomy because 100,000 people come to Bhaktivedanta Manor on Jamastomy and we've got to get it for them now, come on! <laughs> Still, it was like, you know, I mean, sometimes I would think, wow, now that I've got 200 people involved, if we don't actually produce anything. Because <laughs> I had no idea how we were going to print it. We had no money for printing. So I had 200 people, you know, and I would feel, oh, they have faith in me. You know, and they're working and they're giving their time and they're giving their energy. I had one person who was doing the layout who took a year and a half off of work without pay. I had people doing incredible amounts of work. And I thought, my God, if this never gets published, if this just stays files on my computer, all these people will be so disappointed. And I had to go again, I'm offering this to you now. I'm offering it to you now. You're enjoying it now. You're enjoying it now. I thought, I hope all those other 200 people are doing that too. <laughs> you know, and then finally a publisher said, I'll do it. You know? It was really funny because it's published under Padma Inc. So it was a non-devotee publisher and the first time that any Krishna conscious learning resource had ever been published ever other than just like a devotee doing it in their basement. The first time ever that we had done a Krishna conscious educational professional level resource anywhere in the world and we're getting a non-devotee publisher to agree to put up you know, a hundred thousand pounds to publish it. And they were saying, will it sell? I'm like, oh yes. I thought, I have no idea if it's going to sell or not. And then I remember the publisher's sister, who also worked with the company, she said, oh yes, this Padma Inc., I've heard of them. They're a very big organization. And I thought, well, really, it's just like three of us. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything. I'm just like, oh, okay. And they did it. You know, somehow they did it. But what was really interesting is when the fruit was there, it wasn't like there was some big enjoyment that hadn't been happening all along. It was very interesting. With other fruit, you know, building a school building or getting this or so many different milestones, there was this, this exhilaration at the fruit that was the result of all your austerity. This wasn't like that at all. It was just, oh, yes. Krishna's reading the books. It was a very interesting experience. And, and one thing also, one of the people working on the boxes, she was a non-devotee, she was designing the boxes. Her first design, we had a, one book about Radharani and Chitra looking for Krishna. And they're holding their hands out like this, looking at Krishna's footprints. So they had merged that painting with children reading the books. So the Radharani and Chitra Gopi were now looking at children reading the books. That's the cover of one of the boxes. And I saw that. That was the first picture they, they did. I saw that. I said, oh, that was my meditation for the last three years. 
and you made it into a picture. So I hope this helps you. You know, that Krishna is enjoying it now. I'm offering to Guru now. I'm offering to Krishna now. They're relishing it now. That what I'm offering now is complete. What I'm doing now is a complete offering. And therefore I can do what I'm doing now with complete valor. And whatever Krishna does, Krishna is giving me the ability and the intelligence to do what I'm doing now. And Krishna is giving whatever result or there or not there. So I'm completely dependent on Krishna for my own personal resources, for the external resources, for the results, for the other people to help me, for whatever happens, for whatever doesn't happen. And I'm working with valor. And Kunti is saying, Krishna, if you're not part of that equation, if you're not here, we have no shelter. If it's just us trying to work, we have no shelter. And not only no shelter, no beauty. Nothing can be beautiful without you. Prabhupada said beauty is in relationship, like the sky is beautiful with the moon, the wife's beautiful with the husband, a country's beautiful with a good government. I mean, literally, like here you see there's not a good government and everything's filthy. So we are only beautiful with Krishna. Okay, take a 10-minute break. Thank you very much.